Those of you who are married, do you remember your wedding day? Do you remember what you were thinking on your wedding day? The ladies standing at the back, about to come down the aisle, guys stand at the front. Do you remember? That's right. Another thing to do now. I'm going to put you on the other side like we would be if you were actually getting married. Now, on your wedding day, you've got the beautiful bride. She never looks as beautiful as on her wedding day, right? Face is glowing. And, and she's thinking, the man of my dreams. I'm married. Janie, I was talking to her about this. And Janie said, as she was coming down, she caught a glimpse of herself as she was looking in the mirror right before she walks out. And she's like, who is that? You know, and she says, I'm marrying Doug. And, and to me, that's not a big deal. But to her, that was a big deal that she was marrying me. And, and she's thinking, the man of my dreams is going to take care of me. All the romance I could ever want is staring me right in the face. He's standing right down there. Look at him. He looked good. His mind. That's exactly right. He's thinking. Now, here's what he's thinking. Now, he's thinking, what have I done? Now, it's, no, no, no. That's not a bad thing. What he's thinking is, I've got to take care of her. When we came back from the honeymoon, Janie said she was standing in the kitchen going, I've got to feed this man for the rest of my life. What am I going to cook him? Well, what, what the guy does, the guy somewhere, there's this subtle shift that happens. And, and I think it happens when he's standing there and he realizes the solemnness of the moment. He's before God and all these witnesses. Got some preacher about to say, you know, you're, you're going to be. Let what God joins together, let no man separate. I mean, when he hears that stuff, he's thinking, I've got to provide for her. And this shift in his mind goes from, I'm no longer pursuer. Right, ladies, y'all catch this. He's no longer pursuer. You say, I do. This thing is signed, sealed, delivered. And he's thinking, i got to provide for her. And so what happens is he gets in his mind that he's got to be provider. And so he gets this job. And, and a lot of times he actually becomes um, married to the job. Now, it's not that he doesn't like her anymore. But in his mind, I don't have to woo her, which is really stupid, guys. Let me just tell you that. That's really stupid because what you did to win her, you should do to keep her. We say that all the time around here, but, but we'll, we won't get off on that. So now he's thinking, I've got to provide for her job. I've got to do everything I can. I've got to work my way up because I'm provider now. But that's okay because early on in the marriage, she might just get a job too. And, and she goes to her place. They go, he goes to his place. They come together in the evenings. They're still spending time together. They're still enjoying one another. And they probably have more money than they'll ever have in the rest of their lives. Disposable income. I remember when Janie and I had, you know, all this money that we spent on, on going out and eating and all of that stuff. That's gone. Because something happens at this point. And a baby comes into the marriage. And the baby takes center stage. And that's okay because this little baby is helpless. And the baby splits mom and dad for just a little while. 
Now, notice I said for just a little while, it's okay for a season. I told Caleb, Caleb's 11 now. I told him he's not up here, so I don't owe him a buck. Last week, he got five dollars out of that deal. I told Caleb, I said, I remember bringing you home, dude. And there were no instructions with you. And I was scared to death because they let us out on January 28th. He was born on the 27th. They let us out on January 28th. It's a stinking blizzard out there. And we're going down in the wheelchair, get in the car, and we've got him wrapped up. You know, he's like the snow bunny. You can't even see there's a baby in there because his, his going home outfit's like eight miles too long for him. We take him home. And I said, dude, you were in the little bassinet. And I put my hand on your back because I was so scared you were going to quit breathing. And I didn't sleep the whole night, had my hand on his back. And then when he'd start fussing, I'd put him on my chest and then I'd stick him in the middle of the bed. And Janie's over there. We are fussing over the baby. But that's okay As long as this is temporary. But a lot of times it's not temporary. And so what happens is dad's not getting fulfilled at home and he's not getting recreation and all that at home. So dad gets a hobby. And he moves over here a little bit further. That's okay, though. That's okay. Because mom has her nurturing role where she's spending all of her time with the baby. And she decides to start shopping for the baby. That's kind of funny. We got this Victoria's Secret because ain't a mom around right after she's had a baby that she's thinking about Victoria's Secret. He is. Maybe I should give that to him. Anyway, mom goes into her role of, of shopping and providing and nurturing for this child. And so they move farther and farther apart. Now, this is not the way God intended for the marriage to go. Because when this jumps up and bites you is when little Junior, little Johnny, little Susie become center of your world and they take over. And they will not give up this position without a fight. We're not here to start any fights today. But what we want to do is we want to look at God's word and figure out if there's a better way to parent so that, like Stan said, we develop boundaries that our kids know where the boundaries are and they eventually begin to take ownership for their own lives. Thank you. all Y'all give them a hand. They did a good job. This lifestyle, you can leave it there. This lifestyle becomes a problem when we don't change back to mom and dad having a good time together and being dating and, and all those things. The best thing you can do for your children is have a happy marriage in front of them. The best thing I can do for my kids is, is to love their mom with all my heart and to encourage her. Oh, you get <laughs> he's going to plan B for the sign because he's tired of the sign. So you'll see some construction going on. That's OK. Just like marriage, just like family life. You got to adapt. Now, where we're going to go over the next four weeks is parenting is not a temporary job. You're not just parenting for today. You're parenting for the future. And here's here's an instruction. You, you ready? Come on out. Here's an instruction that Jesus gave to parents. Matthew twelve thirty three. I think you have this on your listening guide. If you grow a healthy tree, you'll pick healthy fruit. If you grow a diseased tree, you'll pick worm eaten fruit. Can you make I'm any more there, yeah. noise? Okay. <laughs> I could. I know you could. Give you a mic. The fruit tells you about the tree. Now, what this means is, is we've got to pay more attention to the particular fruit that our children's lives are starting to produce more than any single fruit on a single day. You understand what I'm saying? There are days your kids have bad days, but that may not mean that they are a bad child. There's a difference. 
What we've got to look at is the type of character that they are forming. And we're going to talk a lot about character over these next four weeks. Parenting is more than just the here and now. We're preparing the children from the, for the future. And we don't just want children who obey, um, that become people who obey. Because anyone can obey when the policeman is right around the corner. Right? Only people of character obey when there's no authority figure in their life making them obey. So we want to develop our children's character because a person's character will determine their destiny, will determine their future. Now, when you're a parent, you help create your children's future for good or bad, for better or for worse. The parents, uh, the, the patterns that children establish early in life will actually carry on into their adult life. And you've probably seen that. When I'm when I'm talking about character in this series, I'm talking both the internal um, abilities and weaknesses, because this character, their internal abilities and weaknesses are what are going to determine their destiny. And do you know where kids form character? In relationships, all character is formed within the context of relationships and is in relationships that our kids will learn how to live. And the best thing we can teach them is this idea of boundaries. Now, a boundary is a property line that determines where I end, where the responsibilities that I have end and where you begin, where your responsibilities begin. Because a child who is confused about their boundaries will be one of those children that go around out of control but trying to control others, you know, in fact, that is that's one definition of of childhood is is a, someone who is out of control, but is spending their time trying to control others. Now, this idea of boundaries um, is I have I'll give you an example. I have certain boundaries, what I will and will not do with my time in the church. Back when I was in Arlington, I was a youth minister and uh, we had an, uh, we had a situation where a mom got mad at me. She had a teenage son. He was just coming into the youth group. She got mad at me because there was a misunderstanding. She calls the church office. I'm not at the church office. So she calls my home and proceeds to yell at my wife. This was in our first year of marriage. She had trespassed. And being the loving, mature, spiritual giant that I was, I wanted her to know that she was trespassing. So I called her and, and I'd never met the woman. I knew her son. Um, I'd heard about this woman. And so I called her up and, and I said, hi, you know, I'm Doug. What's the issue? We talked about the issue. It really wasn't a big deal. We got it resolved. And I said, now, I would like for you to do me a favor. And she said, sure. What is it? And I said, don't ever call my wife again. Uh, uh, well, uh, I, I, I said, I, you got to be real clear on this. My wife is not on staff. She doesn't get a paycheck from the church. You called her and yelled at her, and that was inappropriate. And I never want you to call my house again. She said, well, I I thought that we hired both of you. I said, no, you didn't. You knew full well that I was on staff. My wife is off limits. You can call the church. You can yell at me all day. But don't ever call my wife again. Are we clear? Yes. She wasn't real happy about that. But you know who I made happy? My wife. We were talking about this this week and she said, I was so glad that you did that because she said, you know, she wanted to marry a minister. But then when she's getting yelled at by one of the parents of youth, she said she was thinking in the first year of marriage, she was thinking, I did not sign up for this. But when I drew the boundaries, she felt better about what was going on in the book Boundaries with Kids. Henry Cloud and John Townsend point out that children are not born with boundaries. Y'all figured that out yet? Anybody that's got kids understand that the kids don't know where the boundaries are. You do not have to teach them what to do wrong. Am I correct? 
You have to teach them what to do right and what is appropriate, what's inappropriate behavior. And as they grow up, they're going to be in relationships and they might be confused about boundaries if we do not set those boundaries for them. Um, Now, the reason parenting is so difficult is because our kids not only don't want to know where the boundaries are, they actually want mom and dad to change the boundaries based on them. My oldest son would love for me to have different boundaries for my daughters than I have for him. We have this discussion all of the time that because he's 11, his sister's nine, his other sister's six, they are held to a different standard because they are not at the same place that he is. He would love for me to change those boundaries so that everything revolved around him. But that would not be doing him a service or society a service. Every person, I want you to think about this. Every person is the sum total of three relationships in their life. All right. When you when you think about it, you have you are the sum total of the experiences that you've had. You're the sum total of the choices that you've made and you're the sum total of the relationships that you've had in your life. Now, you probably did not have a lot of control over all the experiences that happened to you. You did have control over a lot of your choices, but you didn't have control over choices other people made to you. But where you did have some control was over relationships, um, whether there were good relationships or bad relationships in your marriage. I mean, in your life now. What we're going to do over the course of this series is we're going to talk to you about thinking about the consequences of the type of parenting that you have. Now, if you're if you're through with parenting, um, you've already had children, they're grown. You got grandchildren coming up. You can use it with them. If you're not parents yet, you will use it. Believe me, everybody here can use what we are going to be talking about. So what we're going to talk about is think about 20 years in the future. If your pattern of parenting or if somebody in your family, their pattern of parenting continues, think about the type of person that you are raising, that you are preparing for society. But before we do that, I want you to go back 20 years. Now, some of you teenagers, y'all don't worry about it because you weren't here. Think about this for the future. Good stuff. Think back 20 years. And I want you to think about three relationships that you had in your life that defined who you are. One relationship is the is that with your parents, either the relationship you had with your mom and dad or the lack of relationship with your mom and dad helped define who you are today. The second one is your relationship with God or your lack of relationship with God helped define who you are today. And the third relationship is others, those outside the home um, relationships with folks who didn't uh, lead you to make good choices or the good influences from others. Now, I want you to think about the biggest mistakes you've made in your life. The biggest mistakes that you've made in your life. 20 years ago, if you're like me, that's 21. I need to go a little bit further back than that. And I want you to think about what would have happened. What would be different today is if that critical moment when you were about to make that bad mistake. I could we could just spend the rest of the day talking about the bad mistakes we've made. I've heard several of your stories. Some of you have heard things that have gone on in my life. But what would have happened if this represents the relationship with my parents, if I could have dialed in more quality time with my dad before I made that really stupid decision? If I could have dialed out some of the problems that I had in my relationship with my mom, how would my life have turned out differently? If I could go back to that one moment when I stole that street sign right before I got arrested and I could have dialed in quality time with God. Before I climbed up the pole and began rocking that street sign off right outside the highway patrol office. (laughs) Do you think maybe I would have had a little bit better clue about life if, 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 you know, this if I had this relationship where where God's spirit inside of me said, don't go up the pole. 
Because we're standing there. There's five friends and I stand there looking at the pole. And they're like, well, how do we get it down? I said, just do this. And I climbed up there and rocked it off. About the time I get it off, we start walking. Here comes the highway to pro- patrol. Anyway, long story. But one of the dumb decisions that I made. What if I could have dialed it? You know who I was with? It was the Baptist deacon sons is who I was with that night. If I could have dialed out the influences of the Baptist deacon sons and dialed in the Methodist kids that I hung out with and I never got in trouble with. How would my life have been different today? So you understand what I'm saying? Now, if you think about this, your children or the kids that we have here, we've got teenagers here. I've got three kids in the building today. How will their relationships or how will their life turn out 20 years from now? This is what we're going to look at in detail over the next three weeks. If... I can dial in more relationship with me if I could dial in more relationship with God. And if I could not only dial out the bad influences in their life, but if I could dial in the good influences in their life, if I could increase that, what would that do for the future of my children? I think everybody would agree that that would make a huge difference. Now. The one thing I can be intentional about in my kids' lives, I can't control all their decisions. You figure that one out? (laughs) I don't care how mean a person you are. You cannot control your kids. They might do it out of fear, but when when they're not in your presence, they're going to go stinking wild. You can't control their choices. You can't control the experiences. But the one thing I can have direct influence in my kids' lives is the amount of time they spend with me I can dial up the time that they spend with God, um, come up with all kinds of things, look for teachable moments, all of that. I can dial that up. I can dial out bad influences and I can dial in good influences. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So let's um, let's look at what the Bible has to say about this today. We're just going to scratch the surface and then we are going to look at it in detail next three weeks. The first dial is my child's relationship with me. This is on your listening guide. My child's relationship with me. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In other words, God is saying, don't alienate the relationship with your child. Any of you, were you alienated in in relationship with your mom or your dad? Let me see your hands. Alienated in those relationships. Was that a good thing for you? (laughs) No, it could have been better. God is saying, do not alienate this relationship. Now, you got to understand. You will have conflict with your child. Your precious little one is not your ally when it comes to setting boundaries. In your child's mind, he has much to lose and nothing to gain if he begins to take or she begins to take responsibility for their own life. Left to their own ways, here's what your child is thinking. My life is my parents' problem. They'll take care of things for me. My job is simply to make sure I get them to clean up my messes in life. You ever seen parents that did that? Now... No joking aside, when we went before the judge, when we stole the street sign, my dad said to me, one of the wisest things my dad ever said, dad said, son, you made this problem. You've got to face the consequences. Yes, sir. So I go, I go to court and exhibit A is sitting up there on the judge's bench, you know, the stolen street sign and the highway patrolman is there. The deacon's sons were there with the deacon's. And so the judge talked to me. I told him what happened when it got time for the deacon's sons to share what had happened. Their their father stepped in front of them and said, 
No, my son would never have done this. It was all that Washburn kid. He's the one that did it. And I remember sitting there going, I am so getting shafted by the deacons of my church. (laughs) Kind of started a pattern of life for me. (laughs) But I remember sitting there thinking, no way are they shafting me. Because we were all in this together. And those guys, I know where they are today, and they are alienated in the relationships with their dads, and they're alienated in their relationships with God. And I don't think it was that one incident, but that was kind of a microcosm of their whole lives. This one guy, every time we got in trouble, when we always got in trouble, we'd go to the principal's office. They'd say, Washburn, did you do it? Yeah. And I would get busted. Man, they would light us up. Scott, did you do it? He would break down crying. No, I'm a good Christian. I would never do that. My dad's an eager at the church. He would always get off. You'd think I would learn. I wasn't real smart. You know, you'd think I would have avoided that relationship, but I didn't. This attitude applies to everything from school to athletics. And you've seen parents who will overcorrect for their child because they're not involved in their lives. Because what this admonition says is we're not supposed to be so absent from our children that we alienate the relationship. But we're also not to be so interfering with our children that we alienate the relationship with them. And you've seen parents that they are so absent from their children's lives that when something happens to little Johnny or Susie at school... What's the first thing they do? They march up there and they demand justice for their kid because they haven't spent any time with them. And then if they don't get justice, they'll go get a lawyer. We'll make sure that we take care of our child instead of just spending time with them. So don't alienate them. My child, my my, uh, responsibility as as a parent is for my child to eventually get to the point that he says, dude, my life is my problem. See the difference? Because when he begins to take responsibility, that's character. And his character will determine his destiny or my, my girl's destiny. Very definition of responsibility is the capacity to own one's own life. Now, when the Bible says bring them up, it means to nurture them. Bring them up in a way that you never lose influence in their lives. Now, when my kids were in, uh, infants, I exhibited complete control over them. But from that moment on, my duty has been to work myself out of a job. And I give them a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more responsibility. And here's the amazing thing. As I give up control in my child's life, I'll tell you this for certain with Caleb. As I give him more responsibility, as I turn loose of the range, you know what happens? I gain more influence in his life. Because every one of you knows, I was one of these that, that my parents controlled me, controlled me, they thought. I was sneaking out the basement window all the time when they thought I was in bed at 9.30. They were controlling me. We kind of laugh about it now, but it's really kind of sad. They lost influence because they tried to control me. Well, I'm trying to do the opposite. I'm trying to influence my son by giving him more and more responsibility. We're about to start a salary where he gets certain amount of the, the family budget every month. And he has responsibilities that he has to. Every year when he starts a new school year, we're going to increase the amount of salary and we're going to increase the responsibilities that he has to take care of. Because our goal is when he is 18 and he leaves the house, that not only is he well adjusted spiritually, emotionally, but financially. And we have a responsible adult going out into the world. Now, I give up control so that I gain influence. That's the whole idea. Second dial is my child's relationship with God. There's a great promise of God that every child needs to look at. In a couple of weeks, we're going to look at this. 
and put into practice over and over as they grow up. Actually, this is next week. We'll look at this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Now, some of you learned this as trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I chose this translation on purpose because I thought this was a good uh, translation of lean not on your own understanding. Never rely on what you think you know. When have you gotten in the most trouble? When you've relied on what you think you know. And our kids are just following in our footsteps. Verse 6, remember the Lord in everything you do and He will show you the right way. The promise is, if I teach my kids to turn over control of everything in their lives to God, God has promised that He will show them the right way, the right path. Would you agree that our children have many opportunities to choose the wrong path in life? They're rampant. There's only one right way, and God has promised to show it, but there's a condition. There's always a condition with God. God never says, I'll show you the right way, and then you decide whether you surrender or not. Read the cover from cover to cover in the Bible. The pattern is, surrender your life to God. God will open up the right pathway for you to follow. Uh, another translation, NIV says, I will make your path straight. When we were in New Mexico, we took the jeeps all over the mountain. There is no straight path up the mountain. It winds. Some of it goes up. Some of it goes down. Some of it's next to incredible cliffs. God says, my pathway, I will lead you on level ground. Why do we miss it so often? Because we rely on what we think we know. And we're training our kids to do the same thing. So we've got to train them. Surrender everything and then God will show you the way. The last dial is my child's relationship with those outside the home. My child's relationship with those outside the home. Proverbs thirteen twenty. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise. Whoever walks with fools will suffer harm. I think most of us could memorize this verse and it would do us a lot of good. Even as adults. Because let me, let me, you just tell me true or false, this statement. Your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life. True or false? Your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life. True or false? Okay. Now, just checking. Y'all weren't real sure. How many times have you started a story like I did? I had these friends. You see, we make dumb mistakes by ourselves. The colossal dumb mistakes are usually reserved for times we're with dumb friends. Right? Hello? Uh-huh. Okay. Just making sure. So, what we've got to do is we've got to adjust the dials in our kids' life. But it's not just dialing out the bad influence. Because if you just leave them with no influence, something's going to come in there. We've got to dial in the good influences. I make time for my son to go to small group. Why? Because his, his uh, small group leader is Alex. I trust Alex. I've known him for a long time. And I'm grateful to God that my son has someone else to influence him. And I told you this last week. It may not be a big deal for someone to have influence in a sixth grader's life and an 11-year-old's life. But in two years, when, when he gets into the teenage years, it is a very big deal who is influencing my child. And so I want to dial in those relationships. I want to dial in the relationships where my daughters hear from godly women. I want to make sure and, and I want to orchestrate opportunities for them to hang out with women that know God and follow God and that have happy marriages and that are raising their kids to follow God. That's the people I want my kids to be around. I want to dial in those uh, types of relationships. Um, 
So here's the truth. You are already influencing your kids for good or bad. Positively or negatively in these three areas. The question is, today will you say, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to do some on-purpose parenting so that I make sure my kids have more of the good stuff and less of the bad stuff in their lives. So here are the three questions. We're going to go over these three questions all three weeks in, in our studies here. We, our small groups are, are um, aligned with the topic that we're going over. So if you go to a small group, you will also be talking about this more in depth in small groups. Parental guidance required. You'll be talking about questions about what you've done right, what you've done wrong, how you can change these dials. All of this stuff we're going to be looking at over and over for the next three weeks. Question number one is, what are you doing to enhance your child's relationship with you? What are you doing to enhance your child's relationship with you? Now, the last Sunday of this series, which will be October 8th, we're going to have a family picnic at Reagan Park. We're going to have some family building type games. We're just building that in. And it is going to be a great deal of fun, but not if you're not there. (laughs) So we're telling you now, you got four weeks to plan. Bring bring a uh, picnic lunch for your family plus one and plan on coming and hanging out with your family. The Cowboys, it doesn't matter whether you watch them or not. They might win, they might lose. It doesn't matter. But spending time with your kids matters for all eternity. We'll have all of these different things, activities that that will enhance your relationship with your child. So we want you to be there. Number two is, what are you doing to advance your child's relationship with God? What are you doing to advance your child's relationship with God? Next week, we'll be looking at things you can do in your home um, that will... That will help you train your kids more towards God. We, we do family nights occasionally. We don't do it near enough. We're trying to get back in the habit of doing it once a week. My kids love family night. I, they can be planning the most fun thing in the world. And I say, well, I thought we'd do family night tonight. They will quit whatever they're doing. And they'll say, they'll begin wanting to go back and do some of the ones we've done. We've done obstacle courses. We've done hidden treasures. We've done all of these different things. Um, but one of the ones I got to try to find this on video. We don't have digital video, so it takes me a while to figure out where video is. If I can find the one we did on Lazarus, I'll have to show it to you because it was hilarious. We did the whole thing. And then there's a slogan, you know, about what's going on. We we acted out the story of Lazarus. And this was about two or three years ago. But everybody got to be Jesus, you know, and go to the tomb. And we made tombs out of pillows from the couch, you know, and Lazarus was laid in the tomb. We wrapped him up in toilet paper and laid him in the tomb. And then Jesus would go up and say, Lazarus, come forth, you know, and all the kids would do it. And they just loved doing that. And then Lazarus would bust out of the toilet paper and bust out of the tomb and present himself, you know. And everybody wanted to be Lazarus. And it was more fun. I guarantee you, you can ask my kids about Lazarus and they'll say, oh, yeah. We did one on peer pressure one time where we actually did this little experiment where you put a dropper in this bottle. I don't, I don't remember all the stuff. It comes in family night tool chest, which I'll have some of those next week you can look at and show you how you can get those great things. It takes about 10 minutes to prepare, but you got this two liter bottle and you put a dropper in there. And we talked about peer pressure and peer pressure was when people on the outside squeeze you. Well, if you do this right, you've got to practice it so that you do it right. Otherwise, it totally jacks up your illustration. But you put it in there and you squeeze it. You know what happens to the dropper? It falls. And we talk about peer pressure is kids, the bad influences, trying to make you make bad decisions and cause you to fall. You can ask my kids about peer pressure and about the bottle and they'll tell you what it's about. 
So we're going to talk about ways that you can advance your kid's relationship with God. Third thing is, what are you doing to influence your child's relationship with those outside the home? Third question. Now, these are diagnostic questions. You don't ask them once and then totally forget them for the rest of your life. Wise parents are going to ask these questions over and over because kids go through different seasons of life. When when Caleb was toddling and preaching sinner, repent, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> I didn't have to do a whole lot to advance his relationship with God. I didn't have to do a whole lot to to influence his relationships with people outside the home. The older he gets, though, the more I need to ask these diagnostic questions since control was never the goal. In my child's life, but influence is I've got to begin to influence the maximum uh, or, or use the maximum amount of influence on people outside the home. Here's what I mean. Doesn't it make sense if there are people that are going to influence my child that I spend my time trying to influence those influencers? You set up this network of positive influence in your kid's life and you give them that much more opportunity to excel. Now, I was listening to a pastor. He was talking about this, this whole topic. And he said this. Stuck in my mind. He said, every parent, I began to think about this, every person that I admire them as a parent, that they seem to have it all together. He said, they were experienced poor as they were growing up. You think about our society. What do we try to do? We try to make them experience rich. We run around to this activity, this activity, this activity. We try to get all the experiences we can, the things we didn't experience as a kid, we want our kids to experience. But he said, every great parent he knows was experience poor, but relationship rich. I want my kids to be relationship rich because that's where character is formed. And that's what we've got to spend some time doing. What kind of difference would it have made in your life if your parents had asked these three diagnostic questions? It would have been huge for me. But the cool thing is, now we know them, we can spend time asking these questions about our kids, and we can directly impact the future. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the instructions in your word about how I could be a better dad, because you know I need it. You know my kids need it for me to be a better dad. Thank you that you love us enough that you died for us so that we might have a better way. We might have a better life. We might clue in and learn from you. Now, God, give us the power, not only as a church, but as individuals in this church. To pursue a relationship with you. And to influence and advance our kids relationship with you. We pray in Jesus name. Amen.